got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I've been reading all the war. I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. This is a special audio-only episode that we release through our podcast network. You can download it at FreightCats or Put That Coffee Down. If you're not a subscriber, do that right now. Also, if you haven't reviewed the podcast, please do that. It helps us tremendously with our reach. So that's enough for me. What's in store for you today? This is an interview I did with Blythe Brumleaf from Digital Dispatch and also Freight School Playbook a couple months ago. It was actually early December, and it was before I had asked her to come on, put that coffee down, our live video version uh, on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on LinkedIn and FreightWaves TV to co-host with me for the month of December and January. She'll be back on very, very soon as well. So this is pre that, but we talked about launching an online product. She just launched Freight School Playbook, and she had uh, some some interesting takes uh, from that and lessons learned. I've also launched Carrier List online uh, in, in the past, and I've learned a bunch of lessons. I think we both can agree. Blythe and I, that a lot of those lessons are what not to do, but that's part of being an entrepreneur. Part of the creative process is finding out what doesn't work. It's all a process of elimination. So without further ado, let's go straight to that interview now. And I'm joined here today with Blythe Brimlove. She's the president and founder and owner of Digital Dispatch and also Freight School Playbook, which is a new product that she just launched a couple months ago. And we're going to talk about lessons learned from launching an online product and kind of the challenges, the, the thrills, the, the highs and the lows of all of that. So can you give us a, a brief description of uh, your background, Blythe, and also Digital Dispatch, as well as what we'll be talking about mostly today, Freight School Playbook? Sure. So a little more than 10 years ago, I was working as an executive assistant at a 3PL here in Jacksonville, Florida. And I had a side hustle blog, which was a sports and entertainment blog. And when my boss at the time found out that I had this side hustle, he was like, well, he's like, our website could use some work. We're not on social media at all. And we need some help with our email marketing campaign. So why don't you go ahead and just do that for us too? Um, and luckily for me, it was sort of a trial by fire and I was thrown immediately into managing the marketing of an entire logistics business. And so I used those skills to head on over to other conferences and network with other people within the industry, especially within the marketing industry and learned a whole bunch of new tactics. I believe um, we were one of HubSpot's first logistics customers back in early 2009. So I think we were at the time, the third logistics customer that HubSpot had ever signed on. So it was very, the, I, the concept of content marketing was still very new at that time. 
I worked for them for about five years until the company unfortunately closed down. And so I was sort of left in a place of limbo of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Did I want to stay in logistics? Did I want to try another career path? And so for me, I got a job opportunity with a local magazine. And that ended up being such a huge blessing in disguise because it was the first time that I wasn't the only one handling all of the marketing. I was handling all of the editorial. I was uh, assigning writers, um, checking out all of the the, the new entertainment, uh, food options, sports options here locally in Jacksonville, and and just ha- being able to have the I guess the prestige of of being named as editor in chief of a magazine. And then after a couple years at that magazine, I moved on to become a broadcaster, keeping in mind that I never went to school for either of these two things. It was sort of, you know, just like a trial by fire, as I said earlier. And so um, I I went into broadcasting and uh, here at a local sports radio station, and I did that for about five years. And then about three years ago is when I started my own agency, uh, Brumleaf Brands. And Brumleaf Brands, I wanted to serve as sort of the umbrella company for all of my little side hustles that I have going on. So it's the main operating entity, um, but then it, it, it quickly became a little bit confusing. Well, what does she do? Like exactly what does she do? I mean, I know she works with logistics clients, but her, her website is Brumleaf Brands. And so that's where the concept of digital dispatch was born. And that came into fruition two years ago. And that has been my main focus ever since then. I left radio about two years ago as well in order to pursue this venture more full-time. Clients were becoming, I don't want to say more demanding, but the business itself was becoming more demanding, more so than I could offer to sports radio, which really is an incredibly demanding position. And if I were to ever want to move up in that field, I would have had to move out of Jacksonville. And that just wasn't something that I was willing to do at the time. Um, So Digital Dispatch was born and helping companies with their content marketing, their websites, um, anywhere from a newly launched company to an enterprise level company with, you know, hundreds of trucks across the United States. So I landed a few enterprise level clients and then uh, also have some small to mid-sized carriers as well. And then also serving service providers in this space. And then it wasn't until COVID hit earlier in 2020 that it sort of put a a stopgap in everything that I had planned for this year. And it was an opportunity where I was getting calls from other companies that they wanted to use my services, but not necessarily everyone could afford them. And so that's where the concept of, well, I really want to help small businesses. I am a small business. And so how can I help more small businesses, you know, know the knowledge that I have earned that I've learned over these, you know, the last decade. And so that's where the concept of Freight School Playbook was was born is how can I help me 10 years ago? And so for all of the people who maybe you're an executive assistant, or maybe you're a marketing assistant, or maybe you're being tasked with wearing multiple hats within a company, but you still recognize that marketing and your website is vastly important in order to expand your brand. And so that's where Freight School Playbook comes into play, where you can just cut right through the noise, you can cut right through the clutter, and you can know exactly what you need to be doing right now and in the future in order to set your company up for success. And it's also very moderately priced as far as you know other courses or compared to other courses and educational materials within this space. So I, I felt really proud about 
launching that product um, over the summer and and continue, you know, still working on it, you know, throughout the winter and then going into, you know, the foreseeable future, um, adding new courses, adding new work processes, uh, templates, um, just resources that will really, really help anyone from a small business to a large business, especially if if marketing has sort of been on the back burner for you for a while. That, that's, that's great. And, and congratulations, number one, for, for launching Freight School Playbook. Uh, there's a couple things in there that I, I heard, you know, going into it being an editor-in-chief and also a broadcaster without going to school and, and the trial by fire, I can really, uh, you know, I, I, I can really... Uh, you know, see how that is, um, because that, that's kind of what I'm doing right now too. Kind of the, an editor at Freight Waves and also a, a broadcaster now. And I, I didn't get to school for either one of those uh, my, myself. And you know, running journalists and also uh, a broadcasting. There's two pretty big learning curves. Yes, <laughs> both of them, right? Uh, you know, you don't just learn those overnight. So I, I can definitely empathize with uh, how you're doing or how you did did that because I'm going through that uh, right now. But it's fun. It, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's challenging. It's, it's one of those things where, I mean, as long as you don't, you know, piss off the local sports team, then, then you're doing something mm-hmm. right, which I, I, I'm, I'm unfortunately familiar with. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I know. It's just kind of the same that the, the, the local or maybe the national or the, the big brands out there, there's always that that back and forth uh, in, in the trade journalism uh, as well. So on Freight School Playbook and Digital Dispatch, would you consider Digital Dispatch being more of an enterprise solution and Freight School Playbook being kind of uh, a la carte type of, of of product would that yes and and so with the two and and uh the reason i had to separate because i I went through sort of a back and forth for a while like do i just put these courses on the digital dispatch website but right now we have we have an e-commerce solution on built on digital dispatch um we have also like you know demo capabilities and things like that built into the website and i felt like adding and what's called an LMS, a learning management system into the site would create a slow experience for users. Um, So that was my biggest concern. And that's ultimately why I chose to separate the two and to keep them both separated is because within Freight School Playbook, you really have, it's not just a website that you're building, you're adding in an e-commerce component as well, because you have to, you know, have a way for for people to pay for the courses, Mm -hmm. and then also have an option for them to pay for it at one time or then pay for it as an all access pass, which is something that I have switched, you know, sort of learning from the members who are currently part of the site. They bought an all access pass when in reality, they probably could have gotten by with just buying a single course or two, um, Mm -hmm. especially for a few of the, the ones who first joined. Um, so that was the reason why I separated the two because I needed a lot of options to for Freight School Playbook, but I felt that the almost the message would have been inundated and would have been complicated had I add that to Digital Dispatch. So I, I the way I brand it is that Freight School Playbook is a product of Digital Dispatch, where it might not be a good fit because I, I you know, I'm only one person, so I can't. Mm-hmm. As much as I would love to take on enterprise enterprise level clients every single month, I can't give my best 
to all of them. And I can't, if new ones come on, then I can't give my best to the ones that are already, that already believe in me and that already are, you know, committed to me. So that's why I, I offered this option with Freight School Playbook because I, I have one member in particular. She reached out to me earlier in the year and she said, I don't know that I have the budget to afford, you know, a complete website redesign. She's like, I know that I can do some of this myself in-house. I just don't know where to start. And so those mm-hmm. are the type of people that Freight School Playbook is perfect for. They're already wearing a ton of hats. And this is a solution that gets them to cut through the clutter and be able to know exactly what they need. Need to do to make their brand and take their brand to that next level and before they're they're going to eventually hire a marketing agency like mine. So it's almost like that little bit of a stepping mm-hmm. stone until they get to the level where they can afford to, you know, either, you know, pay for a marketing agency like mine or or somebody else possibly local. Yeah, it's a good philosophical question too when you think about it. Uh, and I was having an argument with my or a discussion with my my sister just yesterday uh, about this because she's always done enterprise sales. Uh, but when you're one person, kind of a solopreneur in, in a lot of ways, uh, the, the enterprise solution you, you only have so much bandwidth, right? Right. Um, so you have the enterprise solution, and then you have the product solution, which gets really into online marketing, uh, online product launches, and one of the big benefits of that is. It's usually an information or data product uh, that you, it's Mm e-commerce, right? So so it's e-commerce and means that it doesn't have to be too actively sold, right? That that you can filter your funnel down through almost a no-touch. It's hard in transportation to do a a no-touch kind of transaction for any information products, but you can get as as no-touch to the cell and and really automate that cell as, as much as possible. And it's also scalable too. I, mm-hmm. you know, the time yeah. is, is finite, and and I can't give that to to you know a, a ton of people each month. I can give it to a select amount of people mm-hmm. each month and, and companies each month. But with Freight School Playbook, it allows me the opportunity to be scalable. That I can record these courses on the weekends at night, and then add those to the system and then the user can choose which course is right for them or if they want just you know an all access pass if they they see this as an investment for a full year then they can secure the all access pass and learn through a a, a chain of programs that I you know I believe that I would have wanted 10 years ago or even 5 mm-hmm. years ago coming into the logistics marketing um so it's really something that I was like well I can do this and I can do it really well and I can do this one time and possibly possibly update it, you know, once or twice during the year, but it's not something that I would have to devote, you know, hours every single day. If I were to individually consult, you know, all of the, you know, people who want to invest in a course, I don't have to personally consult them every single day, which would eat up a lot of time and honestly, a lot of bandwidth. And then ultimately my content would suffer because of it. Yeah, because of the, the bandwidth, you'd have to charge more. Now, right. now you have this is very affordable. It's very scalable, uh, which are, are two really good things. And then the third really good thing that it offers is that SaaS or that reoccurring revenue model, which is highly scalable as well. And it's something that everyone uh, strives for, I suppose. 
Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's something that I can I can still be helpful and I can still offer something that's very high quality and I can give it to the businesses that likely need it the most, especially right now. Yeah, I mean, that's so important. And you can launch it online. Uh, it, it's, it's challenging. I, I've launched a, a product online, Carrierless, and what you don't know could fill an entire neighborhood, probably an entire city, <laughs> entire state. It probably fill, you know, the entire city of Jacksonville and in the state of Florida. And, and what I didn't know when I started out at it, but what a great learning experience, number one, uh, going through it. It was, it was phenomenal. I read a lot. I didn't know anything about online marketing. I read a ton of things and just wanted to see I imagine you read quite a bit on online marketing, product launches. There's plenty of materials and books out there. Some are really good. Some aren't so good, but you get value out of uh, all of them. Uh, how did you kind of uh, learn the, the philosophy or the strategy of going online before you actually took that first step? Well, for this particular item. I, I, I've been wanting to do online courses for a while, but it was just one of those things that was always on the back burner. And because I, I, I had already had a ton of clients working you know, for digital dispatch. So it was one of those things that was always on the back burner, but COVID definitely expedited that because I had had content planned out for this entire year. Yeah. And I had to just scratch that and say, okay, now we have to start fresh. What do we do? And I just at random, you know, scrolling through Instagram and, and a targeted ad got me and it talked about building a membership site. And I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, really interesting. That's an interesting take on the online course market. And that's what I originally positioned Freight School Playbook as was as a membership site where you pay a membership fee and it sort of works just like the all access pass. But I had a community aspect built into it and I had all these grand dreams of what I wanted to build Freight School Playbook around. And then that's when I started feeling myself like overcomplicate the system. Um, I needed to get the courses right first. Well, I actually needed to get the damn website right first <laughs> and then be able to, to because it's, it's not just the, the the website that you have to create. It's the front end experience where somebody is making a purchase. It's also the back end experience whenever they log in. What's the first thing that they see? What are the courses that they're able to take? Um, is this course enrolled with this particular member, what kind of, you know, it is all these different variables that, you know, I, I've been developing websites for 10 years and, and this was an, a, an additional layer onto that. And so I had to get that right first. And then I started, you know, I, I'm an ideas person. So I started, I had so many ideas of what I wanted to do with the membership, but it ultimately I feel like looking back at, I, I tried to do too much when I should have just focused on the course content itself, getting it launched, and then going in and making the adjustments. Um, the community aspect probably wouldn't work until the, you know you get people to actually sign up for it first, because there's nothing worse than launching you know a, a, a social media channel or maybe even a Slack channel and nobody is engaging with it. So I didn't. I, I, I had those ideas first, and then if I had to do it again, I would have scaled back on some of the initial ideas that I, I was rolling with. I, I was probably working off of four phases at the same time when I really should have just been focused on just the first phase. That That's one of the, the, the first lessons that, that we all learn, I think, uh, is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be because, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, people who are launching products, creative 
creativity. You, you think about the big, the, the complete picture, the, the end game first. And you might not have the tools or resources or time to get there all at once. Oftentimes you don't. Never you do, actually. Let's, let's put it that way. You right. can never get to that end goal of the perfect product at once. It takes time. It takes time. Yeah. There's, you know, and, and that's part of putting a community feature before you have people signed up. But you, you really want it. And, and to, to be able to really step back, see what you need right now to launch the, the, the minimum viable product, the MVP, as they say out in Silicon Valley. And to get that working before you kind of take that next step. And it is kind of a slow staircase uh, step. You want to run up the stairs, but you you need to walk up the stairs in a lot of ways. Absolutely. It was definitely one of those things that I was run. I was quickly running out of time. I set up a launch date of the middle of September and and I was going to keep the launch open for a week. And then after the launch was completed, I was going to shut it down and then with the the LMS that I had integrated into the site, I'm able to look at the analytics and I can see, you know, where people are falling off, um, maybe where they're getting stuck in the course, and if they complete it, if they don't complete it, um, why and why not. Uh, so getting that data in was was crucial, and I wish I would have launched sooner instead of adding on these all these different bells and whistles because ultimately I I feel like that probably confuse the user. And mm-hmm. and when they're signing up, they're signing up with the idea of certain courses are, are coming in the pipeline and those weren't ready to go at launch. And so there was also a level of confusion where we had three courses available at launch, but when the users are logging in, they had seen the other courses and I, I, I could have done a better job at communicating that. You know, you, you think you do with, you know, coming soon messages and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the, the course roadmap. This is what we're going to be launching, you know, or adding to the site in the coming months. But some users just plain didn't see that. All they saw was just the name of the course. And, and that's what they thought that they would be able to immediately take. Um, so certain like bells and whistles like that. I also added on an affiliate program. I should have definitely waited on that one because that one was a really complex addition into the site, um, which for those who don't know, an affiliate program is essentially where someone has a can sign up to almost be a promoter of of your website or of your product and they get a custom link and if they share that custom link and somebody makes a purchase from that link then they'll get a commission based off of that sale you see it a lot with like influencers um they do amazon affiliate programs or 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 things like that um so that was something another thing that i should have waited on i should have really you know hone in on the course content make it the best as possible and then go based off of the reactions from the people who sign up then you can tailor the rest of the you know your phase two and three and four after that and Instead of you know just trying to incorporate everything from all four phases at, at launch was a which was a mistake. Yeah, affiliate programs that that's complicated software too, isn't it? 
It is. <laughs> and I, and I, it was uh, way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. And um, that, that was another thing that, that sort of put me uh, and and the course content suffered from it. There, there were a couple courses that I wanted to add in addition and a, a, a couple different, you know, PDF checklists and um, different printable materials that I wanted to add to the courses as well. And those were on the back burner because the affiliate side mm-hmm. of things just took up so much time between working with developers and working with, you know, p- potentially people who would be sharing those links and things like that, trying to build that community. And I'm like, and it was just one of those things where after the launch was over, you kind of think like, oh, I can just prop my feet up now that the product has been launched. And it's like, no, your work is just now starting. <laughs> <laughs> your, your work is not done. <laughs> I, I know, right? I, that, that's just the opening bell, the right. opening <laughs> bell of the market. Now it's, it's time to really start running even faster. Um, I, I did an online product launch back in 2016 when I started Carrier List. I had no idea what I was doing. I barely got a website up with Wix. Uh, you know, I I barely got the email subscription tied in there, and I was just selling off of uh, Shopify spreadsheets of of Carrier data. Actually, I hadn't even built the. I, I did a sample. I hadn't even actually built it because I didn't know if there was going to be a market. If I could actually market it. Um, by, you know, I had a few email subscribers, maybe like 50 or 60. And I was cold emailing a lot of people uh, because I didn't know what else to do. Um, so I, I did that. I didn't know how many how many people I, I, I opened up for a week, uh, you know, did a bonus offer, things like that. I was just experimenting about and I, I didn't know how many people would buy. And one person bought, one company bought. and you know what that did to me? It made me so excited that I, I had made something that someone would actually buy. And it was a, actually a large name in the, the, the freight brokerage industry too. So I was like, okay, well, I'm on the right track. So I had low expectations. But from listening to your podcast about what you learned from launching an online product, uh, give us a sense of how you picked your number of success or your your sales forecast for for that initial launch and you know how it made you feel well i would say that i overestimated <laughs> what i thought and i and and uh, even when i think about it now because i didn't even really realize it until after the launch week was complete because like i said i i thought that as soon as launch day was open like thousands of people would just be knocking down my door mm-hmm. in order to buy my product <laughs> i thought here i am i'm making a helpful product it's affordable and it's educational and this is exactly what the industry needs right now and and this is something that's going to go great i i spent a lot of money on advertising. The advertising kind of fell flat too. That was another learning experience. Oh yes. And and it was one of those things where at afterwards I'm looking at my own data and I'm like, how did I even come up with this arbitrary number of of dozens of people are going to be signing up? You know, wouldn't it be great if like 150 people signed up for it on launch day? And then when only a couple dozen sign up, it's like, whoa, 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 where where did I miss? What, how did I come up with that initial number? And why didn't I meet it? And, and it was one of those things where you almost start to question yourself as a 
marketer. Like here I am, Mm -hmm. I am selling services to other companies and here I am doing the same thing for my business and I can't deliver for myself. So it was almost like this imposter syndrome starts to creep in. Like, well, who am I to even be selling? Like I should call all of my clients and tell them I'm a fraud. Like it was one of those really like just, I don't want to say depressing moments, but it was definitely one of those moments where it was like, okay, you know, I have my little pity party for the night. I'm going to take a hot shower. I'm going to have a glass of wine. And then the next day we're going to get back to work and we're going to figure out what went wrong. And then that's when I think some of the beauty started to happen. And the best part about it is that I started listening to the members who did sign up. You know, what do you like about the product? Where, where, Where do you think we need to go from here? What courses would you like to see coming in the future? And those were the direct helpers in order to, I I wanted to make sure that I was taking care of the people who already believed in me first and who already believed in the product first. And then, because if I'm addressing those concerns, then I know that I'm I'm addressing potential concerns for other people who may join or who may purchase it in the future. And so that's where I had to sort of take a step back and look at my own data because I thought, you know, oh, I did everything right. Like I'm looking at the numbers for even my podcast and videos of where I'm talking about the launch. You know, I'm, I'm creating the anticipation. I'm, I'm telling the story and showing the behind the scenes of launching a product. And then when it kind of falls flat, it's like, ugh, how do I show this side? And I couldn't think of any other way but just to make a podcast about it and just to sort of express like, this is where I think things really went right. And this is where I think things really went wrong. And my initial yes and my initial numbers, I honestly, I don't know where those came from. That was something that I definitely got wrong. And then the advertising was also a big piece of it because I just assumed, okay, I know the problems that my my potential audience is facing. I know that I have a really good product. It's affordable. So I'll just create some advertising and, you know, retargeting towards my, you know, my current email list that I had been nurturing for, you know, a couple months beforehand. And the advertising just fell flat. They were getting to, they were seeing the ad, they were going to the page, but they weren't converting. And so being able mm-hmm. to go back through, especially from like an e-commerce perspective, perspective, you know, starting to dive into why people purchase, when people purchase, um, creating those additional steps or removing those additional steps or barriers of entry for the the user to make that purchase was all something that I probably wouldn't have have dived into unless I thought that, you know, that the advertising was a massive failure because it kind (laughs) of was. I can't, I, I, from the money that I spent on advertising, I cannot attribute a single um, a course product number to that. And so that's where I, I have more work to do as a marketer to learn that side of the business as well. Because I know analytics, um, I know SEO, I know, you know, web design, development, things like that. Um, but the e-commerce side of things, you know, learning additional tips, like make sure your checkout process can be done in three clicks or less, no more than three clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, advertising, make sure that you're you're speaking to the value of your services, not the discount of your services. Um, knowing which graphic is going to work, which line of copy is going to work. All of these things come into play and come into the psychological aspect of online buying. And that was something that I had never really thought about before in that way. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise to just have the advertising fall flat on its face. Even though I loved the commercial, 
that we had made in order to promote the product. I still use that in a lot of the different marketing, um, but it's the the actual messaging of the ads, which I find fascinating. I, I heard, um, I think it was actually, oh, what's his name? He was on one of the, the, the Freight Waves events and he was talking about all of the different, Philip, Philip Stutz. Oh, yeah, uh, Stutz, I think. Stutz, right? yeah. He yeah, said yeah. that for, he was the, the advertising campaign manager for for mm-hmm. Trump's office, you know, year in 2016 election. And he said that for one ad, they had 167 different versions of that ad. And then they tested which one worked the best over the course of like a day. And then whatever ad performed the best, that's the ad that they would send out to the, the their massive audience. And that's when it just clicked with me that I was over here with one little ad thinking that it was going to solve, you know, all mm-hmm. of my problems and have people beating down my door. And here are the professionals in the space that are creating 167 different versions of the same ad, just different lines of copy, different kinds of graphics, but the same goal in mind. And and they're going to promote the one that performs the best. So it was really just sort of a wake up call to me that you can't just jump in to an industry and just learn it right off the bat. You have to almost have those humbling experiences in, in order to make you learn more about that side of the business, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. It, it makes so much sense. And you, you bring up digital and online advertising, and it just makes me, it makes my knees go weak because, or my stomach upset because I, I spent so much on, on digital advertising. I could have a new car out here <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's really made me any money whatsoever. And I, I went through that same experience. You know, it, you can't go in on a shoestring budget and be able to A-B test and to, to get it right like someone with a huge budget. And transportation logistics is just hard because, like, I, I'm targeting freight brokers. I want to target freight brokers and all the keywords, terms, and searches, and, um, and all those, all the digital ads, right? You are, you're going to get a lot of people who aren't freight brokers because they're, they're still in transportation logistics. And mm. so I had a lot of people show up to the website, you know, stay for a couple seconds, bounce off uh, for about 18 months. And it was just, it, it, it was, you know, Google advertising, it does work, you know, online advertising, it does work. It, it just, I could never figure it out. I could never figure out, so I, I put it to the side and and tried to focus on on other things. Um, you know, going back to you know how much how much business you do off a of launch, and I, I've done like little launches ever since then. And and one thing I've learned is that my plan will never uh, never survive contact with the market. Hmm. So whatever I put together, and it goes back to you focusing back on on your your clients who showed up and, and bought that, that first week and, and learning from them and learning why they bought, learning the value on that. And, and secondly is that we always, you know, all of us, we, we overestimate, well, actually we underestimate the, the market resistance to whatever idea we have. Because to us, it's always the best idea out there. There's no reason why no one should buy it. Uh, but the market resistance to that is higher than we we ever really anticipate. 
Yeah, it, it was. It's definitely an ego check too, because you. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking at the analytics of of even the, the the podcast that I've created around Freight School Playbook, the web traffic, and it all looks great. But I, I think it was also a really important lesson, and in, in what a lot of marketing and sales teams can take going into twenty twenty one is that you have to be on. You have to look at it from both sides of the coin. Like I, I, from a marketer's perspective, I got the press. I, 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 I got numerous articles written about it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was on several of, of, of the freight wave shows talking about it. Yeah. I, I, as a marketer, if I had a sales department, I would say I did my job. <laughs> and, and I was like, <laughs> I would look at the sales team and say, you didn't do your job. You didn't close the deals. <laughs> but when you're a solopreneur, it's, it's one of those things where it's all, yeah. it all falls on you. And so being able to take a step back and, and say, okay, the sales weren't where we thought they would be. Why is that? Let's look at the data. Mm-hmm. Let's see what that tells us. Let's see where our intuition is pointing to. And then let's have those conversations with the actual customers that already purchased. Why did they purchase? What was the catalyst? Did I, you know, was it a connection that I've had for a long time or did I recently make that connection with them? Because I know that the advertising probably, I couldn't attribute anything advertising wise to the eventual purchase, um, which is another, you know, sort of analytics, you know, Mm -hmm. attribution conversation. But for, for this particular lesson, it was one of those things where as a marketer, and I think from marketing and sales, even if you're just a salesperson, you have to be able to look at both sides of the marketing and sales coin in order to be able to survive. Because in reality, you don't necessarily need a lot of sales rep if your marketing is doing the right job. And and so I had to take a step back and, and be able to look at myself and have that real talk with myself in order to make the improvements that I need to make, not just now, but for in the future as well. So, so what's next for uh, Freight School Playbook? Well, we're adding, I, I switched everything around. So um, as, as one does after a launch. They, they do, I, yes. I took off the, the the membership portion. I thought that, you know, just the messaging behind becoming a member almost entails too much work for the user because nine times out of 10, the user just wants to get the information that they want and be on their way. The idea of a membership almost sounds like an investment into a community, which not a lot of people want to do in addition to the communities they're already a part of. And especially during a time where where people have, you know, sort of Zoom fatigue and online meeting fatigue and and they're already part of all these different social networks. I was adding, I felt like I was adding to that workload and that perception. So I took away the messaging part of, of it being, you know, a membership only website. So now what I have is I have several courses, four courses available on the site right now that you can purchase individually or you can purchase an all access annual pass. So the all access annual pass is just how it sounds. It's almost like a, a season ticket to um, you know the, to see your favorite mm-hmm. sports team. You, you pay one fee and you get access to them all year long. So for if you were to go onto the site right now, you could purchase an all access pass and then you would have access to a year's worth of content. So for the next year, you get anything added to the site for free um, or for that fee. 
Or if you just want a single purchase, then you can also just get a single course. Say you you want to learn how to start a video cast or a podcast, you can purchase that course on the site right now in order to find out how you can create your own in-house video cast in the in the office of where you're working, or maybe you're still working in your home office. So that was a a, a big messaging switch that um, that that I had made, and so adding in new courses and then also uh, altering the messaging to better fit what users want based off of the the feedback that I got. Well, th- thank you very much for joining us today. And I, I think the, the, the one real value, and we can talk about this right now, is that the value of this conversation is for all the, the, the p- listeners out there who are thinking about being entrepreneurs or solopreneurs or launching a product uh, this is a natural, I mean, no one escapes this process. No one escapes uh, getting knocked down on their ass. Absolutely. Uh, almost daily, right? I mean, you have to expect it. You have to embrace it in a lot of ways because this is how you learn. This is how you Absolutely. make better products. This is how you get better at online marketing. Uh, it, it, no one comes out as, as a natural, right? And, and just goes out there and kills it. Now, the, all the books that you read might make it sound like that, but this is only because they think it's so easy because they've been through this process before, right? And a lot, I mean, I don't mean to, I guess, call any companies out, but a lot of marketing agencies out there, they talk about best practices, but they don't actually practice what they preach. For a mm-hmm. lot of marketing agencies, you'll look at their website and it's it's crap. And they're not doing blogging. They're not doing SEO, um, but they will preach and they will sell it to you, the value of it, but they're not doing it themselves. So that's where I've always kind of differentiated myself from the rest is that I'm actively practicing what I preach. And if something works, then I'll tell you that it works. If something doesn't work, I'm going to be upfront and honest and tell you that it doesn't work. But with these new ventures, going into e-commerce, going into online advertising, things like that, even though these couple of things have been around for a while, if you haven't necessarily tried them yet, you do not know until you actually launch something. So you launch and then you learn and then you just repeat that process over and over again. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point because you don't know what the best practice is for your company, your product, you know, whether you're a freight brokerage, whether you are a trucking company, whether you're a freight tech company, uh, no one can walk in and just say, these are the best practices. You do X, Y, and Z, everything will be great. You have to go through all these, all these hurdles and challenges and stumbling blocks to find out what marketing message works best for your company. And you, you better do everything. You better do the blog, the videos, the, the, um, the, the, the podcasting, everything that you can do, but getting that message tailored right with the frequency and all the, the fringes that, that go along with it is all just trial and error. Absolutely. It's throwing something up against the wall and seeing if mm-hmm. it sticks. And if it works well, then, then you keep doing it and you keep finding creative ways to continue that same process. But the, the good news is that once you kind of figure out that messaging, it can kind of be transferred into mm-hmm. other different communities. Even from, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I have good messaging or I, I prepare good mes- messaging for LinkedIn because I've been on Twitter and Facebook for years and I've been on Instagram for years. Okay. And so making that switch earlier in the year to to move some of my messaging from one platform that it might not be best suited for. Facebook might not be the best argument for for marketing 
your your freight business, but LinkedIn is fantastic. So taking those same strategies and listening, not just to your current customers, but also to the people who are on the platform and paying attention to what's working for them, and then trying to replicate it in your own way. Th- those those kind of 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 learning mm-hmm. only you only learn them by doing. Exactly. You only learn it by doing. It's great advice. It's what you have to do no matter what you do in life, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Blythe, for for joining us today. And how does everyone reach out and learn more? Sure. So so thank you again for having me. And you can find more of my work at digitaldispatch.io or freightschoolplaybook.com. I'm also on a variety of social media networks. You can search for me at Blythe Brum or at Digidispatch. Thank you to Blythe, and thank you to all our listeners out there. Uh, again, Freight Cats, you can get put that copy down, the audio version, through there, or you can subscribe directly through wherever you listen to the podcast to put that copy down. Please uh, give us a rating and a review, and until next time, see you then. <laughs>